0: How do you know if you're building a business that is valued or investable? Keep listening to learn the six criteria for building a valuable business from Kevin Valley, host of the Value Podcast, who is helping entrepreneurs structure and grow successful businesses that can attract investors. This is Michelle McKenzie, and welcome to the WTF Podcast, where we demystify entrepreneurship and the fog around funding. Kevin is incredibly passionate about the development of entrepreneurs building valuable businesses. He is a consultant who specializes in helping businesses demonstrate their value and raise capital. In this episode, you'll learn what it means to structure and lead a valuable business. Kevin, welcome to the WTF Podcast.
1: Hey, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Love. Happy to be on the WTF Podcast podcast, where is the funding. I I know
0: you've recently rebranded yourself and your own podcast, renaming it The Value. Mm -hmm. What prompted that shift?
1: Yeah. And you know, this is a story I tell all the time. Those of you who listened to the podcast before, you you may have known it as Caribbean Power Lunch. The origin of that back in 2017, mid 2017, Anthony Bourdain, world-famous traveling chef, may he rest in peace. He had a show called Parts Unknown, where he would visit various countries and, of course, taste their food and report on the culture and the different communities within that country. So in May 2017, he had visited Trinidad and Tobago, visited the Savannah, visited Tobago, different parts of the islands. He spent some time with the Syrian family, with one of the main Syrian families, having eaten some good food, drinking some vodka, what have you, right? And in that conversation, they told Mr. bordin that, hey, we are less than 1% of the population, but we control a majority of the wealth, right? This part of the episode was aired and made the final draft. And after it aired, a lot of folks in the country and the diaspora, they became offended. They were enraged by it. I personally was not offended because I know it to be true, having worked at one of the family businesses. And it, it really provoked some thoughts in me. It just made me realize, hey, when I look at the different communities within Trinidad and Tobago, we have the East Indian community, which is probably just as big as the afro trinidadian community, <clears throat> the Chinese community, the white community, and as well as the Syrian community, which, as I said before, they're less than 1% of the population. I look at how they raise their kids, how they educate their communities and whatnot, And I saw that entrepreneurship was a main theme within a lot of the other communities. So I remember being a banker, I would see an East Indian man come into my office with his wife and a 10-year-old daughter. The daughter would be there, not just coloring in a coloring book in the corner, but she'd be listening in in on the meeting herself. And she would say, you know, I'm getting ready to take over the business when I get older. That sort of thing was ingrained in those communities, but in the... Afro Trinidadian community, at least in my experience and what I've seen, is that it's more focused on academic achievement, do well in school, go through the system, get a good job, and go work for somebody who is an entrepreneur, go work for somebody who owns a business, right? So I saw that little bit of a divide, a little bit of a disconnect, and again, it, just through my experience, I would have come across a number of Black entrepreneurs and Black business owners in the Caribbean region. So I said, hey, how about I put on a show to highlight their work? Originally, I was going to do a, do a blog or something. I said, no, I don't like to write. I don't want to write so much. So I decided to do a podcast. Then we fast forward a few years, mid-2020, a knees on George Floyd's neck, Black Lives Matter, and then everybody becomes woke. <laughs> everybody comes woke and everybody is talking about Black business and all of these things. And for me, I don't like to be doing the same thing that everybody else is doing, right? So I always want to find a way to differentiate myself because I want to be special. I want to be a star, right? So I said, this objective has been achieved. Black entrepreneurship and recognition is on the rise. More focus is on hiring Black businesses, Black contractors, Black freelancers. Cool. I want to help businesses be able to grow and scale in a manner that they can compete on a global stage. Now, especially talking to Caribbean businesses so for a year and a half or so i focused my messaging on that i also had now this brand called become investable where i would speak on various platforms you do a bunch of educational talks on how to make your business attractive to investors so you know it was very much synergized with that now coming down to the latter part of 2022 i'm looking at my brands I'm looking at my different projects and i'm saying okay We have a Caribbean power lunch. You have a Become Investable. I'm building on my business valuation practice, where I'm also helping companies raise capital from investors. Let's synthesize this. Let's make this into one nice brand with a central focus. And I found a central focus is on value because that is something that has always been important to me as an individual, as a person, and as somebody practicing in business. So I focused it on value and I likened value to be the language of business rather than what people traditionally say as accounting, business, and economics because people understand value.
0: I think the first part of how you started your origin story about that Anthony Bourdain episode and the 1%, and I think as someone from Jamaican and, and people listening from other parts of the Caribbean can definitely relate to what you were saying. We haven't always been educated to take over businesses right that generational wealth creation wasn't always there we were the working class not the Mm -hmm. bosses and that's a mindset shift and it's a lot of education that goes along with it because you don't know what you don't know
1: exactly and you can't be with what you can't see
0: exactly until someone puts you on game and so that's what you're doing you're putting people on game
1: yeah
0: so now How are you defining value?
1: Yeah. Great question. So I look at value from a standpoint, and I look at value from a business standpoint. From a personal standpoint, it's how you show up, how you show up in the world, how you appreciate, how you show up in terms of interactions, interactions with friends, family members, strangers, right? My dad always had this saying that life is a loan that you repay through your service to others. Right? And in thinking like that, it gets you out of your head. And then I wanna get into value from a business standpoint. What is your company worth? What is the impact your company is having long-term? Over the long-term, what sort of cash flows are you gonna generate for investors? What kind of sort of impact are you gonna have on different stakeholders? So value for me is, it's a way of life.
0: I really like the quote from your dad If you don't mind repeating that again, because I think that really resonates.
1: Yeah. Life is a loan that you repay through your service to others.
0: Life is a loan that you repay through your service to others. And that's a great way to think about your business. How is it solving a problem for your customers and your users? What value is it adding to their lives? How is it making things either easier, faster, more productive, more efficient? Whatever it is, that value is you repaying the world by solving a major problem for them. So it's beyond just how do I generate revenues, but how do I add value by solving a problem? Normally, one of the first questions I ask entrepreneurs when they come on the show is, what's the problem that you're solving? Mm -hmm. And that problem should be connected to the value of whatever it is that the business is doing. So Kevin, I would like you to go through the characteristics of building a valued business. So maybe just go through them and then you can go back and then explain each one.
1: I would say that there are two fundamental concepts that you need to understand. Value is based on growth and risk, right? That's growth and risk. Growth, of course, being your expected future cash flows that your company generates, risk being that variability that could happen within expected future cash flows because of uncertainty of your business prospects, right? So in terms of the valued framework now, the V is for visionary leadership. Are you building the right team? Is your business set up to achieve a certain goal objective that is bigger than yourself? And so also in terms of visionary leadership, you have to think about succession planning you want to think about the strength of your management team. Do you have co- the competent individuals on your team? So a lot of small businesses, they might have one or two, three people or so, but do you have that CFO right there to make sure that your finances are in order? Do you have the operations expert to make sure that your business is run properly? You'll find that a lot of folks just have that business where you have the visionary.
0: need the process and structure.
1: Process. Exactly. And, and for, even for bigger businesses, mean, th- this vision and leadership, it goes down into how you treat your staff. What's the culture of your organization? Do you have a toxic culture? I've seen businesses where it's like an average of more than one person leaves the company a month. I've seen that. So that speaks a lot to the culture of the organization. You can always tell the culture of the organization. Let's look at how the staff operates. So A, <laughs> the A is for active cash flow generation. You wanna fix a problem in your business, get more sales, right? Everything is downstream from revenue generation. And from sales, your goal there is to manage your liquidity. All right, so cash flow also speaks to your capital expenditures. So in terms of investing in property, plant, equipment, and of course, your growth strategies, which would lead me to the L, long-term mindset, right? A business with a plan is worth significantly more than a business without one. Yes, so it is important to have a culture where you're continuously updating your business plan, continuously updating your, your forecast. So it's based on, yeah, based on credible research, based on your go-to-market strategy, based on your customer acquisition expectations, and all of that stuff, all right? So this takes me to the U, which is usefulness or utility to investors. So now the utility to investors is broken up into two parts. One is the information that you have ready for investors. Do you have your financial statements ready for investors? Do you have your projections ready? Do you have all your due diligence documents ready? Because what I've seen is that inf- investors look at businesses that are well-organized to that point where, okay, you have your package there ready. You don't have to chase them down for this, chase them down for that. They say, okay, that com- those companies get a higher valuation multiple than companies that do not. Those companies are seemingly more investable than companies that are not. And the other side of being useful to investors is, hey, generate a return for investors. Are you able to generate a healthy return for investors? The E is for efficient operations, right? Just as we spoke about before, process technology, processes, systems, the people, the intersection of people and technology. This forms the backbone of your company your risk management, your continuity, and all these other things. And that leads us to the D, which is for a defensible, competitive advantage. So what sets your business apart? What is your moot? Is it that you have intellectual property protection for some great ideas that are highly valuable in the industry? Is it that you have your position so that your suppliers depend on you, your, your target customer's main go-to? Or is it that that it's so much harder for new companies to enter into industry? So what is your competitive advantage? So just to recap quickly, you have visionary leadership, active cash flow generation, long-term mindset and planning, utility to investors, efficient operations, and a defensible competitive advantage. For folks to digest this a little bit more, I... I, do have, I did create a scorecard based on this. It's about 48 questions, but it, it's multiple choice, yes or no. Can it we takes put about, the link
0: in the show notes?
1: Awesome. Sure. Yeah, awesome. And it takes about six minutes to go through. And from that, you get a customized report based on how you respond. And you could take it from there. You'll learn a little bit more about this valued framework.
0: Actually, you leaped into my next question, Kevin, which is who should take this scorecard, the value scorecard, and what does it provide to those who take it? Yeah. So, folks who are who
1: building a business and they know that they'll eventually want to exit that business or you want to sell, or you may just want to raise capital for that business at some point, or even if it's for your own strategic planning, it's no, okay, what's the value drivers in my business? How can I increase the value of my company? I would say if you fall into one, one of those three categories, I think you should take the value scorecard. The questions may seem a bit stricter if you are. Earlier in your business, so if you're like one and two years into your business, it may seem a little stricter, but I would say that gives you something to aspire to, right? Because investors are evaluating you based on that benchmark as well.
0: I'm speaking with Kevin Valley, host of the Value Podcast, and partner at Aspire Fund Management. Kevin, what are the next steps after taking this scorecard for someone who's done it? What should sure. they do next?
1: So sure, after your scorecard, you get you so you get that report that you could go through then you have an option to book in a 30-minute consultation with me to go through your score to talk, and then discuss how you could help improve your score.
0: So once entrepreneurs determine that they are leading a valued business, what should they have in their investor package when they start fundraising?
1: Okay, so they should have, it'll be great if they have a one-page teaser, explain what their business is about, what industry you're in, where the group drivers are, where the value drivers, just to whet an investor's appetite. And then if you have an investor who we have already already executed an NDA with and they they have confidential access to the data room or what have you, we could show them a more detailed pitch deck that we could walk them through. And of course, I am able, assuming they engage me, we could do a valuation of the company to see that at what price range that investors should participate in their business at. And aside from that, of course, you have your financial statement projections, you have everything in that due diligence checklist that I provide to them as well.
0: What advice would you give to founders who are fundraising in this climate? Is is down this year compared to Mm -hmm. prior years to effectively communicate that value to help them attract investment?
1: So a lot of so here's the thing. I'm really working on how to change the culture of fundraising, right? So a lot of people think, like, they bring a lot of hype into this fundraising. Like, it's a just a culture of pitching and being sexy and the scene, all these great things. And it's assuming, all right, investors are going to give us a $2 million-dollar, two-million-dollar valuation yeah, off that, the bat. That,
0: making it seem as if fundraising or your ability to do so is the value of exactly of
1: your company. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So it's like you raise
1: funding, and they call that the measure of success. But to me, the measure of success is building a business that's is truly investable or building a valued business so i always focus on fundamentals rather than hype right so what should they do in this climate F- focus on fundamentals make sure that you're building a valued business you want to be that business that is stand out because you covered all your bases and everything now investors in the caribbean are different than investors abroad right Investors in the caribbean are much more conservative And it's a numbers game because there there are less of us here. There's less capital to play with. So we have less money to risk, right? So especially for investors in the Caribbean, you want to be dotting your I's and crossing your T's. So definitely focus on defending your value proposition. Lee and truly, yeah.
0: And just the fact that even when a lot of folks, outside of the people who are launching and scaling big businesses, so many people are used to just these, small businesses that weren't high growth businesses that you considering getting external funding from investors or anything like that. Maybe they'd get a bank loan if they qualified, right? So most businesses were kept quite small. So now in this age of entrepreneurship that we're talking about building high growth potential business, tech is an enabler that enables certain businesses to be able to scale more quickly than others.
1: For me, I love tech-enabled businesses because they make them a lot more operationally efficient. Once you have the right tech and the right people operating that tech, you're able to scale your business with a, a lot less inputs. So tech is great for that. But just going back into, in terms of structuring your business. Yeah, it's not sexy, but you have to put in the time and the effort to make sure that you have your systems and your procedures and your policies in place. So the private equity company I work with, Aspire Fund Management, Every investment that we make, we have a corporate governance expert on staff. She goes in and she does a corporate, a full corporate governance audit before we decide we're going to invest. And in addition to corporate governance audits, of course, they'll bring me on to do a full valuation of the company to make before we invest. So we really try not to invest in companies that just have a seemingly good idea. We want to see what's your strategy. So... Yeah, t- take the time, put together your plan, make sure you're hiring the right people, making sure you build a great culture, make sure that you're documenting procedures so that the business is not solely reliant on you. There's one question in his in card where I ask, can you take an eight-week vacation from your business without major disruptions to your business? And, and that is a key test to see, okay, if the business is not highly reliant on you or if you have the people's processes and systems in place. It operates on its, it's own. It's
0: so funny that you asked that question. I had someone on the podcast once and he talked about that. And he says, if you can't take a vacation from your business, you don't own a business, you own a job. You should have the people and the structure and the systems in place for you to not be there 24 7 in yeah.
1: that business. Yeah. Yeah. And we say this, right? And it's not to say that, oh God, this is just something that that is second nature and easy to do. It's difficult to get to that stage, but it's a stage you need to get to. But for an investor to become interested, that's has to be a scalable business, right?
0: Yeah, because I think a lot of people might, in this age of investment and fundraising, thinking that, okay, I should go find some investors for my business. But what value mm-hmm. does your business offer to investors? Ask yourself that question exactly. before you think that you are in that category of business that will attract investor um, dollars. Kevin, as we're getting ready to wrap up, any last value that you would like to share with the listeners before you go, or to tell them where to find out more about how to become investable, the work that you do about your podcast, all that good stuff?
1: Yeah, it was a great conversation. I'm glad we are able to have this conversation. I would just reiterate, um, for those of you who are building businesses that you want to get investors involved with, or you would like to pass on to the next generation or you'll like to sell sometime down the road. Just to make sure working on your business in terms of putting in systems, procedures, policies, your plans, your forecasts, your projections, hiring the right team, all of these things, getting the right tech, getting the right suppliers and all these things. That should be fun for you. It's fun for me. Right. But it is so important in get making sure that your business gets a high valuation and sure sh- that making sure your business can be passed on to the next generation. So you really want to take the time to do that. The first step to doing that, I will, again, I would invite you to take the Business Value Scorecard. It's available at kevinvalue.com scorecard. We could, for, after you do that, we could have a half an hour conversation. Happy to talk to you a little bit. Just give you some advice. If you don't want to work with me, that's fine. It's all love. I'll also give you a due diligence checklist that, in my experience, includes a, of the questions that investors, valuators, acquirers are going to ask of your business anyway. So I'll give you that so that when you show up to their door, you're prepared and you're able to get that higher valuation from being an organized business. Now, in terms of where to find me, you can find me at kevinvalue.com. I'm very busy on LinkedIn, so you can get me on LinkedIn. If you want to see more of my personal life, check check me out at kevin.value on Instagram.
0: Sounds good. And Kevin is giving you a lot of value for free with all that information about what investors are looking for. I like that we're wrapping up with value, that value isn't necessarily transactional. You're really trying to put the community on game and to provide them with value, whether they work with you or not. Maybe the next step, Kevin, for you to do is like, how should people be preparing their children to take over these businesses that they're about to scale? I love that. <laughs> so that. I love trans- that. Piece. So we might have to talk about that down the road. So that's the next thing, so that it could be their kids in the business meeting with them, not coloring, but listening and preparing to take over that business.
1: Funny as you say that, I mean, I know we're getting ready right to wrap but let's mention one more thing. So last year and a half or so, I, I joined a business accelerator with this company called Dent. And the person behind that company actually wrote a book called How to Raise Entrepreneurial Kids. So if you like, I could give you a link to that book and you could add it to your show notes.
0: I'll add it to the show notes in addition to the link to your scorecard. We really need to start talking more about how to prepare the children for entrepreneurship 100%. so that they have that at top of mind. That's where that mindset piece of what you talked about comes in. To my listeners, if you liked this episode, don't keep good content to yourself. Rate, review, and make sure you share it with three friends because sharing is caring, right? because you want them to get on game just like you. So subscribe to the podcast at its home on the Alive Podcast Network. And the podcast is available on all major podcast streaming platforms. You can find me on LinkedIn at Michelle J. McKenzie. And you can find the podcast there as well. And you can also follow the podcast on its Instagram page at where's the funding underscore podcast. Join me next Friday for another episode.